0: Have you ever wondered how successful architecture, engineering, and construction companies scale their business?
1: Or have you ever wanted guidance on how to get more growth, wealth, and freedom from your AEC company? Well then, you're in luck. Hi, I'm Will Fora, And I'm Justin Nagel, and we're your podcast hosts. We interview successful AEC business leaders to learn how
0: they use people, process, and technology to scale their businesses.
1: So, sit back and get ready to learn from the industry's best. This is Building Scale. All right. Today, we got a fun one for you. We've been hearing a lot of questions about cyber insurance. I know the most sexy of topics to talk about, for sure, but uh, we've gotten so many questions back and forth. And then Will was even doing presentations, a few of them at this point. Uh, So, we figured, hey, this makes a lot of sense. Construction companies, architects, they want to know this stuff. So, like, Let's lay it on them. Like that. That's kind of the easiest way to go about it. So, a little bit different uh, format today, but super impactful and really excited to kind of share with you what what Will's been out here sharing the good word, as we say. The big thing that's kind of happened is at the end of last year, beginning of this year, there was a projection to 50 to 100% increase in premiums for cyber insurance since the Ukraine Russian uh, Russia conflict. That projection now is is gone above that. Why, Will? Why why is this becoming the case? Like, why are premiums going up? Like, what is causing this surge for cyber liability?
0: Well, first and foremost, there's a war that's going on both physically as well as on the cyber side. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. The other big one is insurance is paying out. Ransoms. It's unprofitable. So the only way for them to be more profitable is to, you know, essentially uh, increase those premiums by a lot. And the other reason, one of the other reasons, is uh, bad guys are getting smarter. Like the tools and even the tactics and who's attacking is vastly different, and even the motivations is vastly different. Cybercrime is at this point, it's organized crime. It's it's an organization. It's a business uh, for all intents and purposes. The other reason is because there's a thing about technical versus operational truths. And there's also like questions about because of vendors and suppliers being involved in sort of the chain of attacks, bigger companies are asking these questions and new laws are being implemented and put into place which puts the accountability on the insurance companies and they're trying to pass off that liability in dollar form to the, to the companies that they are supporting.
1: Got it. Okay. So let, let's pause for a second. So you said technical compared to operational truths explain that's a concept that is foreign to many is going to be my guess. So let's, let's explain that. Let's break that
0: down. Okay. So technical versus operational truths. So an example of this would be most companies do some sort of backup. And I'll give you actually a good story. There was an office manager that got hired on and was basically told, hey, you've got this tape at the end of the day, uh, put in, you know, take the tape that's in there and put in a new tape for the tape backup and press this button. Okay. Okay. And so she did that for five years. She came. At the end of the day, she went up to the server, pulled out the tape that was just sitting there and put in the tape that she had in her purse and swapped it out and took uh, took the other one home. Okay, so just rotating between the two tapes. Happened for five years. One day she, uh, on the, her way to work, she got into an accident and had to be hospitalized. And so like the next, and she did have the tape on her. So the next day they had, the company actually had an incident where all of a sudden, the essentially a virus attacked the server and wiped uh, or corrupted most of the data that was on the server. But aha, they had a backup. They needed to go and grab the backup from uh, from uh, the lady that was in the hospital the day before. So, they kind of gave their condolences you know, and hoped that she felt better. But hey, do you have, we really need uh, the tape. So, Thankfully, the tape was unaffected uh, in the accident, so that it didn't look like there was any damage to it. So she gave them tape. She put the tape in. uh, So they put the tape in to go restore the server, and there was nothing on there. Come to find out, for the past five years, she's been pressing the eject button, but it took about half an hour before that tape got ejected. So she was out of there. They didn't have a backup for five years. That's technical versus operational truth. That's one example of it. Another example is backup is being done, but is it being tested? Uh, Is it, you know, are there ways that it's being, it can be affected in modern day cybersecurity or in business continuity scenarios? And this requires having some experience around it. And it requires having seen a lot of things. Insurance companies are now asking questions around how backup and business continuity happens. How long is it going to take for you to get up and running and prove it? A lot of company owners really are all of a sudden realizing that just because they're backing up their data doesn't mean that they will be back up and running in a day or even in hours. They're going to be back up and running in three weeks, right? This is what we talk about when we say technical versus operational truths. Some businesses cannot be down for three weeks or be recovering for three weeks. Uh, another example, yes, we have antivirus, but what mechanisms are there to guarantee that it's being installed every time? Or what mechanisms are being are guaranteed that it's running on every single location? There was a real story. Uh, we encountered it uh, and we worked uh, with this particular company. It was a design-build company, about 70 or 80 people, had an internal IT guy. They had two different ways of backing up. They had, a ta- ta- uh, uh, they had a tape backup, and they also had a secondary site, with, you know, what they call an offsite, uh, for the backup. The attack started about four o'clock in the morning. Uh, attackers had found a hole uh, and they started the attack. They went in, deleted all the backups, and then on top of it, uh, encrypted You know, ransomware, started encrypting every single server. So this offsite backup that was there was really a mirroring backup. So what happens in one place happens in the other, right? So it was really meant there to be from a physical capacity. Yes, if that server failed, yes, we could start it back up, but it wasn't thought about from a business continuity perspective of what if it gets you know, what if our stuff gets affected by ransomware or some sort of virus, right? Or or corruption. So backup being done, but it's not necessarily to the goals of what the business needs in order to be able to continue operations. So that's what we mean about technical versus operational truths.
1: That high-level operations uh, component there that I think is really important, it's just because something's technically true, doesn't inherently mean that it's going to work the way you think it's going to work. That overarchingly a good way to wrap that up?
0: Yeah, 100%. 100% uh, putting it to the, putting it to the test uh and having a second opinion about it because insurance companies are now asking a lot of questions about this
1: yeah to that what are what do they want <laughs> what do cyber insurance companies want what are they looking for now in comparison to say a year ago two years ago
0: it is a laundry list so it's gone from about Two, three pages of questions. Now to double and triple that in terms of questions and the liability. There's a reason why insurance companies are asking all these questions because bad guys have a really horrible or great habit of finding loopholes and workarounds. So insurance companies are asking the same questions as to what loopholes they've been uh, have been used against the companies that they are supporting in terms of insurance. Uh, uh, and they've had to pay out. So 80% of, I think it's like 82% of all small-medium business uh, breaches happen because of email and because of social engineering. So first and foremost, multi-factor authentication, right? This uh, uh, This is the password to your account, the thing that I know, and the thing that I have, which is usually a mobile device, a mobile phone, Uh, and having, you know, some sort of uh, rotating uh, numeric password on there. They want it on your emails. They really want it on uh, on everything. I'm just reading here some of the latest uh, addendums and uh, attestations for multi-factor authentication. Just listen to this. All internal and remote admin access to directory services is a yes or no question. All internal and remote admin access to network backup environments, all internal and remote admin access to network infrastructure, uh, are they being covered by multi-factor authentication? Are all internal and remote admin access to organizations, endpoints, and servers uh, covered by multi-factor authentication? These are each individual questions uh, to multi-factor authentication. It's not a blanket statement of, do you have multi-factor authentication? They're now asking about specific instances of your applications and essentially your business continuity because that is a risk that there's there will, there will be a payout for the insurance company.
1: So not only more, but also uh, extraordinarily more detailed upon the questioning.
0: Yep. And it's gotten so in depth that you really need to have someone that understands what even the question means, uh, uh, because, you know, for business, uh, for let's say business, uh, and general liability insurance, uh, and even for a uh, comp, you know, for workman's comp, those questions are generally easy to answer. These are not, these are much more technical and they're asking for a reason. That's number one. The other part is, uh, another uh, thing that insurance companies are looking for is the business continuity side. So it's not just backups, it's how long does it take you to recover, right? Uh, is it verified? Have you, when was the last time you verified it? Is it, an automate, is it an automated process or is it a manual process? Insurance companies are looking for automation. They're looking for, uh, it can be automation with human validation, but they're looking for automation. Anytime that there's a person that is verifying the process, uh, it's a huge chunk increase in your premiums because they do not want to see what they've found is that uh, uh, anytime that there's a human element to doing any type of uh, business continuity, cybersecurity, et cetera. um, It is your Achilles heel, the chances that something's going to happen. It's not an if it's a when. Okay, Uh, cybersecurity training. They're asking, is part of your HR process cybersecurity training? Uh, Because uh, between email and uh, social engineering, how are you uh, how are you how are your people responding to that? Uh, We know of are are you doing corporate sponsored phishing? Are you training people and actually tracking, um, you know, what the results were? Uh, there's a lot of different companies that do this type of training and a lot of different companies that, uh, that do what we call corporate-sponsored phishing. Corporate-sponsored phishing is, um, let's say management agrees that they're going to fish their own people to see who clicks on what emails uh, and, then, and then train those people even more so uh, uh, in order to either that or they have a three strikes rule. I know of a law firm that had to pay out about $1.6 million for ransom. We weren't involved just uh, uh, it was after the fact that we knew about this. And so they were doing corporate sponsored phishing uh, as part of their increase in cyber insurance, uh, cyber security. And one of the principals, uh, 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 the, I think it, was, it wasn't the managing partner, but it was one of the partners uh, thought that they were getting a legitimate email and clicked on the email 17 times, even though it was actually phishing. And the attorney swore up and down that this was a legitimate email. The track corporate-sponsored phishing can track kind of what who does what. and You can then target. Those are probably your biggest uh, risks and the liabilities. So that's why cyber. They're looking for cyber uh, training policies uh, this is uh, another category so it's not just having written policies it's also having automated or software based enforcement of those policies uh, they aren't just looking at um, you know hum- they want things that are not based on human intervention right it's the gentle this is your sandbox don't go don't go any farther out uh, of the sandbox because you might get hurt. This is what they're looking for because they know too many people have seen, oh, there's a red button over there. Let me climb out of the sandbox and go touch the red button because it looks shiny. They don't want you to do that. Right? So uh, all it takes, bad guys need to only be right once. Whereas companies that are legitimately doing business, they have to be right hundred percent of the time. Those are enormous odds. It's not, It it, becomes an, a when, not an if in those type of odds. So they're trying to remove those those variables out. Uh, and don't think that uh, that it's just people that are you know uh, at the very base of the um, organization. We're talking about CFOs as well. CFOs, CEOs, uh, owners, they're being targeted even more so and they don't even realize it this is why these type of policies have to be in place and we've seen it we've literally seen it where companies are being targeted and they've even tried to come to us the bad guys have tried to come to us in order to in order to try to target uh our clients literally attack started with a client couldn't get in and then tried to uh, because they knew i guess we were doing their i.t came back to us and tried going even through our sales process to try to, uh, try to get back at our client. Didn't obviously work, but this is the extent that bad guys are going because there's a lot of money that's, uh, that's behind that. Controls, this is in combination with policies. So controls in remote access to the network. What type of remote access? Is it VPN? Are there vulnerabilities? Uh, maybe it's older applications and security protocols. They wanna know exactly how you're doing it. Is it even covered by multi-factor authentication? Are you allowing employees to install VPN on personal laptops or personal computers? Uh, Just because you have VPN, VPN on its own is secure, but it's not secure from a preventing ransomware perspective. It's not as secure as you think it is. Um, A good example of this is imagine that your company, so I'm just gonna use a little metaphor here, Uh, imagine that your company is like an underground um, container, okay? it's an underground container uh, with water in it. And then you have a second container that's above ground. We'll call that your computer. Uh, It's got water in it as well, but it's open on the top. A VPN tunnel is just taking a straw between the underground container and the above ground container. Now you have the water that's mixing. What happens when someone pees in the open container? It's secure in preventing the dirt from getting in, but if there's bad things in in the open container, flows through to the other side. That's the problem with VPN. And so, insurance companies are looking for this. How is it being accessed? If you're using applications or uh, sort of older older ways of accessing your company, you're going to get hit with with that insurance premium because companies know insurance companies know that that's how an attack will happen. Might have to revisit that. Then old unsupported hardware. Um, So old operating systems, look, I, in the construction space, I get it. You've got that. uh, It's only used for badging, you know, only used for sign in and it's still a windows XP computer or even a windows seven computer because Microsoft is no longer Doing updates for those uh, for those operating systems. Insurance companies know this. And so if there's an open vulnerability on that uh, operating system, it's no longer being patched, which means now it can be exploited at any any time. And you don't have any way to even prevent against it. So antivirus can't help you. Looking uh and this whether it's a desktop, laptop, or servers, same idea. Once it's too old, once it's not not supported, all, what really is happening is uh, you're tying the hands of whoever is uh, of whoever is on there or in your in your system. You're tying their hands and being able to protect you. Um, they're also looking for a new type of technology. They're looking for something. It's the equivalent of a barking dog. Um, A lot of modern day attacks don't even start with a virus. They start with something innocuous uh, that seems like a download, and but it doesn't actually do anything. And it may sit there checking in with the bad guys for once a week for multiple weeks in a row before it downloads all the bad stuff, all the bad uh uh you know commands or whatnot. So you this is the equivalent of casing the place. So you need, uh, and so these type of tools, there's, I'm sorry, I really apologize for my uh, my industry, but there's a lot of three and four letter acronyms and I will promise I will explain them, but you need to educate yourself because if you don't know about this, it's like not knowing what a seatbelt is. That's how important it is. You are asking for your company to have a heart attack and you just don't know when it's gonna happen. So EDR, they're asking for an endpoint detection and response software and who's responsible for it. Or an XDR, a more uh, uh, which is an extended detection and response platform. Again, you need a person or, or people that are managing this. It's not just tools that can do their own thing and it's done. This modern cybersecurity isn't just plug and play and walk away from it and close your eyes. It doesn't work like that. <clears throat> it requires constant monitoring. It requires, even though there's a lot of AI in the back end with some of this, still requires a human to intervene because there are certain cases where it doesn't make sense or certain cases where it does and only knowing your organization will they be able to make those type of decisions and uh uh there is no such thing as an IT generalist so just because someone's been in your company for 10 years doing the IT and knows everything doesn't mean that they know how to respond with security different philosophy different type of person IT so it's-
1: th- this that's a lot will so that, that's that's extraordinarily a lot I know know, what, what, like, what, what do you really need to implement? Like as, you know, you know, obviously construction company, architecture firms, engineering firms listening, they want to know, well, what do you actually need to implement of this laundry list of things? And I'll make sure I throw them in the show notes, but like, what do you really need to implement? So
0: you're asking me a bit of a trick question. What you're asking me is which safety feature would you remove from the car you're driving? I can't answer that because if I answer that, the reality is I'm putting your company at risk. I don't, and it's the world that we live in today. If you're not doing these things, what the insurance companies are essentially asking for in those cyber liability policies, I guarantee you with 100% certainty, 100% certainty, it's not an if, it's a when you will be targeted. You And if, if they're not in there already, because what insurance companies have also found out, the average time, I want you to pay attention really closely because it's going to be really surprising. The average time from the point of when a company is breached, when a bad actor is inside of your network to the point when they are found out about meaning fraud happens, uh, ransomware attack happens, things like that, is now in the small, medium business space between nine and 12 months. They've been sitting there in your emails, on your network for nine to 12 months before they finally executed. They are so effective that 60% of companies that are affected by ransomware shut down. The other, the, and the companies that do pay after being ransomed, 80% of the companies that pay get attacked again by ransomware. 80%. You know why? You can get in once, most likely get in again.
1: Okay. um, Let's talk, let's talk about that. So, Ransomware. So ransomware, give me very quickly, what would you say the definition of ransomware is?
0: Ransomware is program, script, uh, a mechanism that takes your data on your network uh, and even in applications and encrypts it. And the only way to be able to get back at your data is to pay someone to essentially have it unencrypted or restore with some sort of business continuity. But your day-to-day dealings are affected until that is corrected. And you can't unencrypt it by just figuring it out yourself.
1: Yeah, because like the key is like, the, the, like 30, 40 characters, something. it's something I mean, like computers
0: can't crack the code. Yeah. I mean, for all intents and purposes, the key is a password. So you can run and uh, you can maybe run some things on a computer, maybe. There's different types of ransomware and they do different things. Some of them completely incapacitate your computers, your servers. And a lot of times there's a secondary mechanism, which is trying to spread. And it's trying to spread across the entire organization uh, in order to in order for the bad actors to get paid. The ransom is how they get paid for their hard work.
1: Hard work, it pays off, I suppose, is the old saying. Um, which actually that reminds me, um, I there was a Forbes article that came out a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, that was about Miami street gangs and how they've kind of given up drugs. They said, you know what, we're not, we're gonna stop selling drugs we're just going to go into the ransomware business. And the interesting thing is obviously they're not trained hackers. It's not, you know, they that's just not their <laughs> that's not how they they've done their business up to this point. But they use what they call ransomware as a service. Um much like much like uh, you know, connectivity as a service, hardware as a service, you know, software as a service, everything's as a service. So now ransomware as a service. Let's let's dive a little bit deeper into that and just get an understanding of like, first, what is it, Well, What ransomware as a service, what is, how is that different?
0: So we already know what ransomware is. So ransomware as a service is essentially the developers of the ransomware. They're making it so easy to use that they're essentially trading. Hey, you can use my software that will ransom. Uh, and all I want is... Fifty percent of the payment of whatever ransom is paid, I want fifty percent. So if it's a million dollar ransom, the so even though they didn't let's say deploy it or you know put it into your organization, they'll get fifty percent of that million dollars, tax free. Might make you a little angry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so so then in this case, this Miami street gangs. Um, Obviously, using ransomware as a service, so some developer develops this, and they say, "Hey, go, you know, push our ransomware." How are they actually using that? Like, how is the un, uh, you know, hacker that's not really a hacker um, using this?
0: So, uh, a lot of times, it can be a disgruntled uh, employee um, that maybe got let go or didn't like how something went in their organization, and. The hacker uh, or the bad actor will just say, hey, put it on a USB, and all you have to do is plug it in into any computer in the organization, and your work is done. That's how easy it is. Or send an email, maybe from a friendly coworker to someone else, right, and have them open up the attachment. This is social engineering at its finest. This is you get an email from a friend. It actually is a friend, but they wanted to undermine the organization. And that's how ransomware gets in. So, and you don't need any technical aptitude. They'll they'll step you through what you need to do. I mean, most of us know what a USB stick is. Most of us know what an email is. So how easy is it to open up an email? How easy is it to plug in a USB into a computer? That's how easy it is to use ransomware as a service
1: okay and obviously when it comes from a known entity is let's say a former employee um people are just more willing to open things like it's just inherently oh i know bob He used to work in accounting this is an email from him to ask for a lunch or something you know whatever it is ta-da here's the menu no it's not the menu it's a virus and that's that's it so um explain that though too right so You know, historically we've thought, oh, well, virus, you know, you got to send this virus, but, you know, we have antivirus and we have firewalls and we have all these other things that kind of put in place there. So how, how, how does that, how do we get around that or how do these bad actors get around that?
0: So, um, because of compliance requirements, um, such as CMMC or HIPAA, um, and a lot of the financial institutions that are out there, they require, let's say, encrypting your drive. So Intel, for example, has come up with a technology, uh, which is in a lot of computers. So, uh, and your operating system already supports it. So all the tools that are needed to encrypt your computer are already built into your computer, everything. So it's scripted. You don't need, so it's just running a few commands and, Someone else will hold the keys to your kingdom. What that really means is that even antivirus, not all antiviruses can even prevent against this. Most companies have some sort of antivirus. But the problem here is that it's not a virus. It's a command.
1: <laughs> that That is sh- frightening. <laughs> it is. I mean, I you know, obviously this is very serious. I certainly don't mean to make a... Laugh at it by any means, but the idea that our computer is sitting in front of us right now has all the tools necessary um, to, you know, take down a company. I mean, like literally kill a company um, is baffling. It is it's wild to to think that.
0: They'll even leverage. So if they somehow get into your network, they'll even leverage your printer as a way to hop to other places on your network. Because printers are not thought of as computers, but they have every capability and power to be able to process information. So, because printers aren't, let's say, up to date uh, or are vulnerable to a certain type of attack, they don't have the computing power, but they can still do all the things that are necessary for an attack to happen. So, a bad actor will use printers as a backdoor to be able to get into. Your network
1: hmm. okay so obviously uh lots of pieces that you need to implement to start avoiding uh or at least plugging the holes that exist obviously uh there are always new things that are coming up and that's just kind of that's the world that we live in and obviously cyber insurance companies have said "Hey." you know, we're, we're not fitting the bill anymore. So if you're not doing these things, we're obviously increasing your premium or not insuring you. So how, like, how do we, like, how does, how does an owner justify the spent the extra spend for cybersecurity? Cause obviously if premiums are going up, you also have the aspect that there, there is a cost to just implementing these tools for cyber.
0: Well, uh, I'd say part of it is, do you want to have your company still exist? Uh, And if you talk to whoever your clients are, think about it. If you tell them, hey, we've implemented cybersecurity policies and measures that our competitors haven't. Do you think you'd listen? Do you think your clients would listen? Even vendors are now asking, um, hey, what are you doing from a cybersecurity and having you fill, fill out forms? Fortune, I say right now about Fortune 2000 companies all have fairly standard forms. Uh, on what is it that you're doing from a cybersecurity standpoint? Um, Why? Because if they're essentially doing business with you, they want to know that they can trust you. If So if you're doing the things that you need to be doing from a cyber liability perspective, because they're going to ask you, do you have cyber liability insurance? They might not even want to do business. This is where it's going. If you don't have cyber liability insurance, they're going to be like, I don't want to do business with you because you're too high of a risk to do business with which is nuts right so um uh these questionnaires uh essentially fortune 2000 companies are adopting those questionnaires uh as uh, a form of them protecting themselves with who they do business with
1: so then uh, you know, obviously very necessary. So what, I mean, what should I, what should we be looking for? Like, what is, you know, when we're looking at, you know, a cyber, you know, platform or program or whatever, you know, however you want to phrase it, like what should we be looking for in that? Obviously there's the tools that need to check the boxes for the, uh, insurance renewals, but what are the other things we should look for?
0: Um, so if you're, especially if you're, you know, AEC architectural engineering construction, um look you're a target and you guys do high volume they do high volume of uh dollars in terms of transactions which makes them for even easier uh for even easier to be targeted okay uh they're the they're between they hover between number 1 and number 2 in terms of the industry that's being targeted why because you're lagging behind you think you can do everything with tools uh and you know, somehow money is going to come in. But if your invoicing system, which is what attackers will attack, if your invoicing system isn't working uh or is ransomed, how are you going to get paid? So uh how you know, where should you spend your dollars? It's really kind of looking at holistically uh, what is it that needs to be taken care of? Have someone do an assessment or even ask. Your insurance provider to give you the latest list of questions for your cyber liability insurance, and then to start asking questions, whether it's an IT provider, internal IT, or uh, an assessment. Look, I'm gonna, I'll give the two second plug here. We do this stuff too, um, but the reality is, anyone that actually has done has a cybersecurity plan, a solution in place, uh, and it addresses a lot of those check bar- boxes from uh, or from the cyber liability insurance ask them for even a referral if it's a big enough company i'm sure they know a few it companies that they want to work with cyber insurance companies have to work with it companies uh, from a cybersecurity standpoint, standpoint uh, because they need to if something happens they're going to talk to someone to help uh to see if they can help out right and you prevent that because now if they've paid out that ransom they want to protect uh, what was their live, They don't want it to be another liability. They want to protect their assets to make sure that they don't pay out anymore. Um, and, I mean, even just starting with multi-factor authentication on your email is already at least something, right? It's a good good starting place. But if that's all you're going to do, if that's the only message that you heard, start with multi-factor authentication and then start budgeting for it. Start budgeting for actual dollars, because it's an investment in making sure that your, uh, your business continues operating. Imagine the amount of dollars that are spent. If you can't imagine, go look up reports. The amount of dollars that are spent once a company is breached, the PR nightmare, the, the amount of time that's wasted in the investigation and what happened, Getting your company back up and running on its feet after, after, look, just because you got paid for business continuity and cyber insurance and cyber liability doesn't mean that your business all of a sudden starts continuing. You still got to do stuff. What about the loss of trust that happens with your client or your vendors? Are they going to want to continue doing business? Are who they know, which would have normally been a referral for you, do they want to still do business that we're going to get out? So all of a sudden, what might have been a three hundred thousand dollar payout turned into a one point six million dollar cost because the amount of business that's lost, the amount of time that's lost, and the amount of PR that happened because of all this—it's not just the cost here; it's all the other pieces. This is the this is truly is the ounce of prevention versus pound of cure, and it's happening. This isn't a oh fear like let's spread fear. This is actually really happening. And the reason, and you hear it in, uh, in the news all the time about the big companies, the reason why you don't hear it about the small companies is because they aren't required by law in most states, not all, but most states to disclose it. HIPAA does. Anyone that's in the um, healthcare industry has to disclose it. There's a HIPAA wall of shame this is coming on a state, and eventually, I suspect, will be on a federal level. GDPR in Europe is an example of this.
1: Yeah, change is definitely coming. This has been very, even even for me, this has been very eye opening. Will, so thank you. Is there anything else? Last words that you want to share um, with with the good people of the building scale community?
0: Look going to do this only for the building scale community. We have approximately a 1 hour assessment that we can do. It's a short it's a shortcut assessment, but it really helps tailor as to give you a realistic view. Get an assessment done by someone. If not us, I mean, we can do it. Then try looking at try looking at the insurance forms early to get a plan in place to take care of it. I beg you, I urge you, please Save your company. This is a heart attack waiting to happen. You don't do this. I hope you don't regret hearing my words later on when you close your business.
1: All right. Uh, Will Ferret, uh, president of Spot Migration and wonderful co host of Building Scale. We'll drop in the notes of the tools. Obviously, how you can contact us, you always see that stuff. And then um, any, anything else that we uh, deem that makes a lot of sense, just resources to kind of give you, we'll drop them in the show notes. But yeah, that's it for the show today. Hopefully we didn't scare the pants completely off you. That certainly wasn't the intention. It was just to make sure that you knew what was coming. So stay diligent. Thanks, everyone. Adios. Thank you for joining us today and listening to this episode. If this episode did help you, then be sure to share it with someone else who needs to hear it. If you want to be
0: a guest on the podcast or are looking for additional help on your journey to find more wealth,
1: scale, and freedom in your AEC company, visit our AEC resources page at
0: spotmigration.com backslash AEC hyphen resources.